On You Don't Know Dick, we, with the help of friends and special guests, look at the film and television career of actor Dick Miller. On this episode, we're looking at Jim Wynorski's killer robot rampage horror, Chopping Mall, from 1986. Welcome to You Don't Know Dick, the career of actor Dick Miller. I'm Doug Tilly, and with me as usual is my own personal killbot, Liam O'Donnell. How are you doing today, Liam? I'm pretty good, Doug, although I don't think I would kill anyone for you, even in defense of property, the way that these noble bots try to defend the property of this mall. Is it, you know, I, I mean, we're not going to get into the movie proper yet, Liam, but what do you think about that name, Killbot? It's a pretty good name. Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's it's a little simplistic, but it gets the point across. Do you think you could sell something called a Killbot to the American public here in 2023? Uh, no, I think they're calling them robo-dogs, Doug. Robo-dogs? Yeah. You know, it's funny. Uh, there's been a lot of discussion lately. I don't know if you've been reading the news, Liam, uh, about AI, artificial intelligence. Have you been keeping up on this? A little bit. Right. And this movie is sort of like a screed against artificial intelligence, right? Because these are robots. They got a bit of a mind of their own because of a magical lightning strike. You know, I am talking about the movie now. Maybe I should hold off a little on that. But it may, you know, it's a little bit of a concerning portent for the future of robots, are you a little bit concerned about that, Liam? Well, I mean, in defense of the the bots in this movie, sure. they're they're not being trained to like do backflips and shit the way that we're trying to train our kill bots. Do you like it when uh, those videos where like they beat up the robots if they don't do the things that they tell them to do? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it's asking for trouble, Liam. I mean. Building the Liam, are you eating? Are you eating while we're trying to record a podcast right now? <laughs> I mean, I am, I am, I am sucking on a cough drop so I don't hack my lungs into the microphone. You mean so I don't have to edit out the thirty coughs that you do every single yes, goddamn episode? Yes. Well, <laughs> sorry, I damaged my lungs in the fall, Doug, and now I don't breathe right. My bad. Well, you know what? Give your lungs a rest, Liam. Our guest today is a consulting editor at Certified Forgotten and the co-host of the Feminine Critique Podcast. It's Christine Makepeace. How are you doing today, Christine? I'm well. Thank you for having me. It's good to have you, Christine. Christine, I know you've had a hard week. I know that you're you're moving into the weekend. I want you to start your period of relaxation with us here today talking about the great Dick Miller. And I'm going to start, as I usually do with our guest, asking you, what do you think about Dick Miller? Are you a fan? Are you a fan of the the, the man himself? I am actually a big Dick Miller fan. Um, he's one of my top actors on Letterboxd. Mm. Um, I'm a big Joe Dante fan, so it kind of goes part and parcel. Um, Certainly. Uh, big fan. He was in one of my favorite childhood movies, Explorers. Right. Oh, sure. And, yeah. Yeah. So that is from then on, it was like, oh, hey, that guy from Explorers. Christine, if you had to guess what my number one actor on Letterboxd is, what would you think it would be? Oh, I don't know. That sounds like a terrible thing to guess at. <laughs> uh, for most, for ninety nine point nine percent of the Earth, Christine, you'd be correct. However, I have a feeling that people would be able to guess. Liam, who do you think it is? Eric Roberts. Yeah, it's Eric Roberts. Yeah, it's yeah, probably it's Eric Roberts. I know. I'm, I'm so predictable. Uh, Christine, <laughs> do you have a favorite Dick Miller role? Is it the Explorers' role? 
No, uh, it's actually oh. the Burbs. Oh, yes. He's so great in the Burbs as that angry garbage man who yells at Corey Feldman in that outtake that we played on our Burbs episode. Were you a little upset, Christine, that I, I said that you weren't allowed to choose a Joe Dante film? Uh, no. Why? Uh, because there's other movies to pick from. There is other movies to pick from. We've covered both Explorers and The Burbs already. This is why we need to slow our roll a bit when it comes to the Joe Dante filmography. I don't want to burn through them. Because maybe we'll get Joe on the show, right? And we can't have him on and be like, sorry, Joe. We can't talk about one of your movies. Because <laughs> they've all been taken already. So that's the future that I see. So instead of us watching a Joe Dante movie, Christine, you've had us watch Jim Wynorski's Chopping Mall. Is that correct? That is correct. Uh, a cult classic, I think, is yes. what they call it. Absolutely. A misleading uh, uh, poster art for Chopping Mall. Would that be correct? <laughs> Definitely. I, you know what? I'm a little sad. I wish that it was more accurate. I'm sure people say that all the time. But I would like a bag full of body parts, and that did not show up in this movie. Even the robot, as shown on the cover, is a lot more... I would say it's a little bit more humanoid than the kind of robot that we get in the movie proper. But again... We're going to get into all that, but I want to ask you first, Christine, why did you choose Chopping Mall for us to watch? Well, I wasn't allowed to pick any Joe Dante movies. Correct. Sorry um, about that once again. No. Oh, I wanted to pick something that like, I actually felt some kind of like passion for, and mm -hmm. I'm a big fan of uh, this movie. Uh, I've seen it way too many times, uh, and I think it's really fun and goofy, and this last time... Uh, you know, it really hit me on an emotional level. Interesting. Well, we'll get into that, certainly. I, I, I was saying to both of you before we started recording that I've seen Chopping Mall a number of times as well. It's never been really one of my favorites, but just this recent watch, the one for this episode, it just hit all the right spots. I didn't necessarily get emotional about it, though I might when we start talking about it proper. Liam, you've watched Chopping Mall several times before, is that correct? You ever see it at one of those X-Fests, those all-night movie festivals you like to go to? Uh, not at Xfest, at the 24-hour Horathon. Uh, mm. But you know what, Doug? They've played it. I think they played it not a year that I was there. Right. So I missed the first three of the 13 years that they did it. So uh, I, I, they might have played it one of those first three. But I have seen it on film before at a different event. Uh, I think specifically at the drive-in, actually, I saw Ooh, it. Ooh, that's fun. On 35mm, so that was fun. Um, but I, you know, I saw it pretty early on in my, hey, let's try to catch up with some of these horror movies I'm unfamiliar with. Sure. And I've always found it very charming. I will say that on other viewings, I think I was just more like into the um, craziness of the robots itself. And sure. I didn't notice how much of the dialogue has to be a fucking joke. Yes. Like there's so many things said straight that are actually funny that mm -hmm. like... I think it's because, you know what I didn't have enough of before? Not that this defines the movie, but I think it is a clue. I didn't have any context for our, our good friends now, uh, Paul Bartel and, and Mary Warnoff. You know, like right. I didn't, like mm -hmm. I knew them, I recognized them, but I didn't know sort of like the tone that they sure. kind of suggest. And there is more of that um, um, campiness in this movie than I realized. I think previously I just saw it as like fun and goofy maybe unintentionally and on this watch i was like oh man this movie's fucking great like i was i was more sold on it because i felt like it was aware of how ridiculous it was and that made it even better for me even more so with the uh 
when they do the retro the the showing the characters again at the end and the one character is just when her head explodes that was really the cherry where i went i was like yeah i'm vibing with this fucking movie you know which i should have gotten that the first few times but for whatever reason i didn't pick up on it i was more just like enjoying it almost on like a basic level you know what i mean now liam i can notice that you're already monologuing and that's fine but i get the impression that the reason you're doing it is because you don't want to talk about the topic that I've set for this opening segment of this yeah, episode yeah. of You Don't Know Dick. Uh, now, we haven't really been doing this on the show thus far, but the fact is Dick Miller did a lot more than just film and TV throughout his career. And one of the things he did was appear in some music videos. And I had both of you watch a music video. The music video for Wild Life by John Mellencamp and Michelle uh, Indigo Cello, uh, which was a big hit in the mid 1990s. I remember it well. Went to number one in Canada. Are you excited about that, Liam? Oh, so excited. It was a big hit in the United States as well as, of course, is a cover of the famous Van Morrison song, Wild Life. And it has a video, a music video, that briefly features Dick Miller. But before we get into the video, let's talk about the song. Now, Christine, I don't know if you're a big Van Morrison fan. Liam's only a fan of the statements that he's made publicly over the last three years. Not his music whatsoever. Is that right, Liam? <laughs> This is not fair because I have no idea what you're talking about. But I'm gonna he's guess a, he's, he's not. a big anti-vax guy. Oh, so, no, thank you. Um, but uh, uh, Christine, what do you think about Wild Life? Do you have any memories of this song when it was big? Unfortunately, I do. I Ooh. was tw- I was 12 when it came out, and it was absolutely everywhere. And just the screenshot that YouTube showed me of that video brought me terrible memories awful memories just inundated with that song constantly it's very repetitive it is a very repetitive song yeah that that i think is something that we can all agree on but some just because something is repetitive doesn't mean it's bad because think about that song um the lion sleeps tonight that's pretty repetitive and everyone loves that one (laughs) yeah everyone does love that one (laughs) Uh, this is this is no lion sleeps tonight my friend yeah, I, you know what? It's an unfair comparison and not one that Wildlife is likely to win. Now, Wildlife came out in 1994. As you mentioned, you were 12 years old. It was everywhere. It was a big old hit. Had uh, John Mellencamp was tearing up the charts, as they say. What are your thoughts? I'm just still going to stick with you for a second, Christine. What are your thoughts on this John, uh, not Cougar, John Mellencamp character? Uh, well, I, as I said, I was very young and I didn't understand sure. why he had different names. Mm-hmm. Why so, like, I guess it was like the Prince thing, Prince, and then it was more of a symbol. So I guess I kind of just like categorized it that way. I didn't know what to make of him, honestly. I wasn't He's, a fan. Some, some people think of him like a poor man's Bruce Springsteen. Would you agree with that? Mm-hmm. I'm that those are bold words. Yes. I don't know if I can co-sign, but sure. Because he likes to write songs about the like uh, uh middle america i think he, maybe he has songs that are ex- explicitly about that topic but like regular <laughs> people and uh and life and how wild it can be and also dancing naked which i believe this album that this song is from was called dance naked that is fun for him I... it was another hit song from this very oh, album called was dance it really naked. yeah absolutely oh i'm sure i've heard it i have to go look it up now no i'm not gonna look it up because then it'll get stuck in my head like this one did let me tell you a story. Exactly. I watched, <laughs> I watched a uh, television show. I think it was like a VH1 special or something like that. And it was all about super fans of musicians. And the super fans would say, you know, 
this is how uh, I have developed a relationship with a famous musician. And this particular guy was the world's biggest John Mellencamp fan. And he was very excited to say, you know, I've danced on stage with John Mellencamp like a dozen times. And then, the, you know, the interviewer is like, so what's the secret? How do you get pulled up on stage to dance? He's like, I'm not telling. I'm going to be up there for number 13. Pretty exciting stuff, right, uh, Christine? Wow, that person was right to keep it close to the vest like that. Can you imagine he lets the secret out on TV and suddenly there's like 20,000 people on stage dancing with John Mellencamp? Just a line to get up on stage. Yep. <laughs> you don't Liam, give those things away for free. No. And John Mellencamp doesn't. He couldn't because he's such a popular artist here in the year 2023. Um, <laughs> Liam, I've let you sit and seethe for a little while because you've given me the impression that you don't care much for this song uh, or this artist necessarily. I don't know that for, for sure. So let's get into it. First, your thoughts. You did not know that Van Morrison has become a, uh, I mean, I'm not going to use the word nut, but he's really gone over the edge over the last couple of years. But still, we, he's a beloved musical figure. What do you think about Van Morrison? Oh, no opinion. What if I was to say this? <laughs> it's a marvelous night for a moon dance. I would prefer it, you not to say that, if that's okay. Is that Van Morrison? I believe so. I think that's <laughs> right. Oh, I'm and sure you're right. And Brown Eyed Girl, the classic, Liam? I mean, I try not to hold that song against him. Okay. All right. Okay. So not a Van Morrison guy, but that's okay. What do you think about this particular song, Wild Night? So when I started the video, Doug, I had yes. this horrible feeling because mm -hmm. I'm so <laughs> familiar with this video. I remember when it came out. And it was on all the time, and it was a conflict for me then, and it's a conflict for me now. And there's Ooh. a number of reasons for this. One Please. reason is there's the model who's driving the taxi cab, right? And when I was, I don't what year did this come out again? 1994. Right. So I was 15 years old. So I was mm -hmm. right in the pocket to see a pretty girl in a video and be like, hold on, what's this now? Uh, and then this song features... Uh, uh, I, I, I always have trouble with her name, Michelle and Degliacello. Yeah, I think that's pretty close. Uh, I've been a fan of hers for a while now. In fact, just a couple years ago, she put out a covers record that was amazing, and it reminded me how great she is. I think she's great. And so, you know, a beautiful woman, uh, Michelle and Degliacello rocking the bass. This song should be great, but it's a John Mellencamp song, so it's <laughs> utter torture. And I, I used to watch it, and I, I got to the point where when the video would come on, I would just mute the TV and just watch the video because I was like, oh, this is a fun video. Too bad this <laughs> song is literally a torture song because I would I would really like this video to have a different song with it. Uh, and so I didn't – none of that clicked for me when you sent it over. I was like, oh, John Mellencamp. I, I don't think I like him, but I'm sure it will be fine. And then it started. I went, ah, oh, this fucking thing. And I right. just got so mad because still love the parts of it that I love, although, you know, I'm, I'm – 40 some models are a little less interesting to me now but you know i, I remembered at 15 being like oh yeah this is cool uh, and then the song it's it's not just that this, i say it's a torture song that's not fair sure. it's that the song's kind of annoying and it gets in your brain and so while i'm watching the video i don't like the song but i hate it even more later on when it's still in my head and i'm ah. like Fuck mm. you, song. Get out of my head because it's just it's it's just kind of annoying. It just feels like it reminds me of a a bad theme song for a bad sitcom. You know, sure. like this should really be how like some show about like well uh, a, a bunch of like this this should, could be like the theme song to a show like Friends or something like that. 
Well, let me tell you that uh, Tom McGinnis uh, in All Music describes the Van Morrison version of the song as an effusive three and a half minutes of Stax-inspired R&B buoyed by a sweet guitar lick from Ronnie Montrose of such quality that would make Steve Cropper proud. <laughs> you just made all that up. <laughs> I mean, I, I'll, I'll go ahead and say the, the Van Morrison version might not be that bad. It, John Mellencamp has this weird thing where it's like, I'm a rocker, but you know I've gotten drunk in a country bar before. And sure. that kind of guitaring where it's like, I don't want to rock too hard because I still want people to like two-step to this in their country boots if they want to. That shit is just like kryptonite to me. And so like a, a more funky version of this might actually be okay, but I've never heard it. So I, I have no opinion. Liam, thoughts on sucking on chili dogs outside the Tasty Freeze? I'm good, man. I'm, I'm <laughs> Well, no, what do you have against John Mellencamp just because you think he's a fakey? He's fake. He's a fake guy. No, I just don't. I, I've i never liked any of his music. I mean, don't be wrong. Mm. Like, the man is wearing a vest with no shirt. In the, like, the outfit is enough for me to condemn him to, like, hard labor. But as oh a real goodness. person, uh, I don't really have anything <laughs> against him. <laughs> I, 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 no, yeah, I don't have anything against him. Like, I don't know if he's done any shitty things or anything like that. It's just his songs are always, like the exact kind of like adult contemporary that makes me think music is like a bad idea. I think you were so upset when he removed Cougar from his name because Cougar's such a punk word that you were like, I'm never going to get into this guy's music ever again. <sighs> you know what was real bummer, Doug, is in the late 90s, early 2000s, people were obsessed. Punk bands were obsessed sure. with covering the summer of 69. And every time I'd be like, yo, kick bricks. Like, what the fuck? Yeah, but that's not John Mellencamp. That's Brian Adams, Canada's own. Oh, is that right? Yeah, I don't fucking know. D boring white men. Put them all in the same. Boat. I mean, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna disagree. I I would push back if it was almost any other Canadian, but certainly not him. Um, <laughs> so let's talk about this music video. Uh, as you mentioned already, Liam, it does involve a uh, model uh, played by. Well, in this case, it is a actress model slash um, a taxi driver played by Shauna Zadrick. Uh, I thought. I've seen this movie, music video a thousand times. I always thought it was Bridget Wilson from B Billy Madison, but no, it is actually Shauna Zadrick. She gets ready, goes out. She's a taxi driver, and she encounters all of these oddballs in her backseat while Wild Night. That's the Wild Night. She's having a Wild Night with all these oddballs. One of those oddballs includes Dick Miller. Uh, over to you, Christine. What did you think of this as a music video? Um, well, I only knew Dick Miller was in it yesterday when you told me. Me too. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I've seen it a lot. I didn't know. <laughs> yeah, I didn't I didn't know either. Um, so, yeah, it would have been around the same time where I would have known who Dick Miller was, but I don't think I knew who that he was in it. But I will say, not to get too personal here, um, I truly wish somebody would have sat me down and went, Christine, you are very gay. It is okay to feel this way about this woman. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> Because I was just like, she's pretty. I like her. And I just compartmentalized that very strangely. Um, and then last night I watched it and I went, huh, yeah, checks out. I hope this doesn't awaken anything in me. Uh, <laughs> it did. <yeah>. It did. <laughs> she's an attractive woman. Uh, and of course, this is well before the gig economy. So uh, unusual for an attractive woman to be a uh, driving a taxi around. Uh, but what do you think about the concept of the video? All these strange, varied people in the backseat of her taxi. Um, is Can I say that it's hacky? Little um, hacky. Pretty hacky. Kind of, yeah. um, played, I guess, is another way that you could say that. It's not really an, an interesting or an inventive video. No. Um, 
It's it's an old old timey taxi picking randos up, and this lady's like, oh, no one's. Ho- I'm supposed to believe no one's harassing her. The, I mean, she- honestly, I thought that the whole time. I'm like, you're telling me that. You're, I mean, God bless Dick Miller, but you're telling me he doesn't say call her baby or sweetie or something like that. I mean, let's just face it. That's just the reality of what's going to happen. Uh, Liam O'Donnell, you notoriously hate taxis. You also hate the television show Taxi. We talked about that on a Carol Kane uh, episode, Praising Kane, our podcast about Carol Kane. And uh, but this is a different horse, a little bit of a horse of a different color. One of the things I discovered when I was doing a little research on this music video is, you know, I was wondering why the heck did Dick Miller end up in a music video for uh, John Mellencamp's Wild Night. It's because this music video was directed by Jonathan Kaplan, who we just talked about on our most recent episode of You Don't Know Dick because he directed White Line Fever. Uh, this is just a couple of years, I think, after he directed the film Unlawful Entry. Jonathan Kaplan, Liam, now you now we already know you love the video. You used to watch it with the sound off. Does that make you appreciate it all the more? I mean, that's cool, I guess. I don't know. It, it doesn't mean that much to me. <laughs> Uh, well, I mean, yeah. it's the connection, right? Because he came from the Corman school, so if he has an affection for Dick Miller. He put him in his music video. Yeah, I mean, it's it's fine. Yeah, that seems fine. Hmm. So, uh, you do like the video? You don't? You disagree with Christine? You don't think it's hacky? You think someone model driving around in a taxi while a bunch of oddballs in her backseat? You think that's pretty cool? Well, let's be clear. There's no such Please. thing as a cool music video. What? Like, all music videos are bad. <laughs> that's the essence of the medium. They are bad things. Uh, I, and you know this because they feature musicians pretending to play music when we all know they're not. There is nothing more fake and false than a band pretending to rock out when we fully know they are not rocking out. And so, yeah, all music videos are bad. This one has a bit of nostalgia for me, and it reminds me of being 15 and thinking, like, this woman was very beautiful and that it was kind of goofy and kind of thinking, like, man, I wish uh, I wish only uh, Michelle and Degliacello was singing on this song and not John Mellencamp. I see. Uh, I'm looking at a picture right this very second, Liam, here on my wall of my little office here, and it's a picture drawn by Michelle Gondry, the music video and film director. Sure. Um, and it's a picture of me that he's drawn and it's he has signed. And all I can think about is how wild your thought is on no there being no good music videos. There's tons of them, many of them directed by Michelle Gondry. Sure. Jonathan Glazer, David Fincher, Spike Jones. I mean, I don't I've watched many a video, Doug, and I think that they can be fun, but I don't care about them. And so like You ever see that video? Um it's that uh, Johnny Cash is hurt. <laughs> <laughs> Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that is good. I, 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 straight, straight up, this is what's so funny is that, like, the, I think that that music video can straight up draw emotions out of people. Sure. And yet it is also, like, a guy pretending to sing and pouring wine on his table. It's like, yeah. there's something about it that's kind of silly to me as much as it's can be fun at the same time. I, I think the, the music videos that... I find the most appealing are the ones that tend to either mostly tend to not take themselves too seriously with a few exceptions here and there. But I, the whole idea of it is weird to me. And honestly, if I was in a band, it would be really hard to work with me on the music video thing. Cause I don't think there's anything we could do where I'd be like, yeah, this is cool. I'm glad we did this. Like, so if your band revolver method released a video, no, thank you. Then, (laughs) <laughs> well, maybe that'll be a discussion for another day. Christine, what does Dick Miller do in this video? He sits in the back seat. And I he think does. he wears a hat. 
I, I think he wears a hat. He's talking to another gentleman in the backseat. Mm-hmm. I believe I uh, counted out. It's something like 40 frames. <laughs> <laughs> Are they Is yelling? A, I, it looks like maybe they're yelling at each other. I think they're having some sort of argument in yeah, the backseat. Yeah, yeah. Maybe a playful argument between friends. But one thing I threw out to social media today was the question of, who is Dick Miller talking to in the back seat? Liam, do you have any thoughts on that? No, no idea. How about yourself, Christine? Any idea who Dick Miller might be looking at in the back seat? I have no idea, but I did see that you tweeted that. I did I, tweet I, it. I didn't see if anybody answered, though. Someone did answer. Uh, Morgan Richter on Twitter suggested that the gentleman with Dick might be Sonny Carl Davis, who appeared in Jonathan Kaplan's unlawful entry just a few years before this video came out. And she posted a photo. And I'll tell you what. Looks pretty similar. Could be Sonny Carl Davis. So for now, we'll have to go with that. It's uh, hard to find information about the uh, extensive cast of the music video for Wild Night <laughs> by John Mellencamp. So any final thoughts, uh, Christine? Wild Night, will you be returning to this video? Boy, I hope that I forget it forever. It goes oh back goodness. into my brain where it had been before. Why? I mean, who needs the video? We can just look up pictures of Shauna's Adric whenever we want, right? It's true. I don't need to live through that song again. <laughs> Perhaps none of us do. How about yourself, Liam? Any final thoughts on Wild Night? Um, no. Okay. Let us take a break. When we return, it's the main event. We're going to be talking about 1986's Chopping Mall right after this. They broke into the mall for the wildest all-night party of their lives. They're dead meat. But you're never alone. In the chopping mall. What's that? Robot blood. Where shopping costs you an arm and a leg. A group of young shopping mall employees stay behind for a late night party in one of the stores. When the mall goes on lockdown before they can get out, the robot security system malfunctions and goes on a killing spree. It's 1986's Chopping Mall, directed by Jim Wynorski. And this is actually pretty good timing to be talking about this movie, because Jim directed a TV movie just this year called Killbots, just like the, the creatures in this very movie. And that movie, Killbots, runs a hefty 43 minutes. I have no idea what the context is of it. I'm not sure what the big call is for 43-minute long films, but I guess we'll check it out at some point. Also, of course, the director of The Return of the Swamp Thing, Hard to Die, Death Soccer 2, Not of This Earth, the, the Not of This Earth remake with Tracy Lords, and many, many more. Uh, he, uh, just like many of the people we talk about on this very show, came from kind of the later Roger Corman school, uh, started working in the early 80s, uh, producing the screenplay for Forbidden World, Sorceress, and he uh, produced Screwballs, the Porky's comedy in 1983. Porky's style comedy, I should say. This was uh, written by Jim Wynoski and Steve Mitchell, who after this film went on to write for uh, 80s cartoons like the Transformers, G.I. Joe, and Jim, who was truly outrageous, and has spent the last few years directing special features for DVDs and Blu-rays, including the one for Chopping Mall, and documentaries, including... King Cohen, Liam, the Larry Cohen documentary. What do you think about that? Oh, that's great. I do like that documentary a lot. Right, even though it probably brings back some bad memories for you. Uh, look, 
just because Larry Cohen was mean to me one time doesn't mean that I don't cherish all of his films. <laughs> and uh, he also uh, directed the upcoming Working Class Actor, a documentary about Wings Hauser. Christine, Wings Hauser. Yeah, that's that guy's name. Yeah, you big fan of uh, Wings? Not, not really. How about the uh, band Wings, the Paul McCartney band? Oh, well, yeah, that's different. No, I'm not yes. a fan of that either. Okay, fair enough. From, <laughs> I was looking for some information about what Dick Miller's experience was on the set of Chopping Mall, and I found an interview with Kelly Maroney, who's one of the stars of this film, and uh, she was asked, on Chopping Mall, did you get to interact with Dick Miller? I love Dick Miller. And she says, I love him too. He was pretty gruff with the director, Jim Wynorski. Dick had been doing it for so long that he didn't suffer fools gladly. So uh, I, you get the impression that Dick Miller's character in this movie is probably very similar to what he's like in real life. Uh, he is in the movie in a small part. Uh, and joining him in this movie is Kelly Maroney, as I've already mentioned, Tony O'Dell, Russell Todd. Barbara Crampton is here. Paul Bartell and Mary Warnov in small parts. Garrett Graham shows up very briefly. And uh, yeah, we'll talk about everybody. Mel Wells, of course, the, uh, the Roger Corman actor, shows up as a cook briefly as well. Let's talk about it all. Let's talk about every single thing we can think of. But first, let's go with general thoughts with our guest today, Christine Makepeace. Christine, what do you think about Chopping Mall? I think it's really fun. It's really goofy. And it's actually very socially relevant. Those mm. are my concise thoughts. All right. Okay. Uh, I, we're going to get into those first two, but let's start with the social relevance. Is this what you were mentioning before that you were feeling? I'm not going to put words in your mouth, but that you felt very emotional about your experience with Chopping Mall. Yeah, like it. It's frustrating to watch a movie that's so old, still dealing with things that are up for discussion today. Like, should we kill simple shoplifters? Mm -hmm. um, like, oh, maybe not. Maybe we should not put all this money into something like this. It, it op this is a movie opens like I guess with like a kind of a fake out, like yeah. an, an ad instead of like what's actually happening, and it, all of it felt really believable. Like, yes, this is how they would market these terrible murderous monsters to people who owned a mall like do you hate pesky thieves why don't you kill them <laughs> i don't know i i had a question for you christine and i mean yes. you're exactly right it does feel somewhat relevant in this cursed age in which we live why did they give the robots lasers it feels like that was probably a big mistake well they're very clear in the opening to be like no these are non-lethal non-lethal and so you're completely right well why would they have the capability to be lethal if they're non-lethal <laughs> i also feel like lasers are not even a technology we have gotten a real handle on so no, it feels no. it feels like they're really cutting edge to be it's, ir to be, it's irresponsible to be, please to be fair at the beginning they say the lasers are for clearing debris in case of disaster oh, which yes. i think is hilarious that, that is like, pretty great these these robots need to be able to stun shoplifters and also zap debris. Like what? What is is what's happening at the mall that we need robots that can cut through concrete? It just seems honestly like a crazy thing. Also, these lasers unpredictable in their effects. They might just make you hurt a little bit, or they might blow your whole head up. Yeah. So it's, well, I mean, it's a weird. It's a weird laser. Well, I mean, that's how lasers are anyway, Liam. I don't know if you've been keeping up on it, but we'll, we'll get your thoughts in just a second. I just want to describe the killbots to listeners who may not have seen Chopping Mall before. They're like tanks. They're kind of like Johnny Five from Short Circuit, except they're more tank-like. And they don't really, they don't have a lot of mobility. I actually, I'm not sure how they're meant to go from floor to floor. I think each one is supposed to be assigned to a single floor of this mall. And they use they, the escalator, Doug. They, yeah, use, they the use the escalator. escalator. Right. That's right. I don't know if we ever see them like effectively use the escalator. There is also a 
uh, elevator that, well, anyway, that all plays into the larger scope of this film. But they're like little tread things. They're little tanks walking around and they can shoot lasers and they can shoot darts. And they also have a claw or two claws, I should say, which can and do rip out someone's throat. So, Liam, your thoughts on Chopping Mall? I mean, I, I agree with everything Christine said. Like, it's it's so charming. It's so fun. It's stupid that it's still kind of relevant. It's weird because I don't know that the movie is trying to be... Like, I think there is an idea that you should, you know, be thinking about how willing are we to hurt people to protect property, right? And how willing are we to risk sort of uh, uh, our protection for all kinds of insane, um, like, or, or risk our safety in the idea of safety and the protection of property, right? But but I also don't think the movie cares that much. Like, it's weird that the world is at a point where um, – we are having to think about what it's going to mean for the New York Police Department to have actual robot dogs in the subway. Mm-hmm. And suddenly Chopping Mall feels maybe more relevant than we want it to be, right? Because I don't know that the movie was written like, yeah, we're really going to tell people about themselves. Like, I don't know that the makers of Chopping Mall were like, this is a real fucking cutting satire of what things are. There's elements to it that reflect real life, even in the sense where Paul and Mary's last names are bland, and then they say weird stuff during the presentation. You know, like when Paul says, the middle robot looks disturbingly ethnic. You know, there's, (laughs) there's a real commentary there about Americans and American culture. But the movie's point isn't that like, I don't think the movie's like also when people leave this movie, they're going to be discussing robots and capitalism. Like, I don't think that's the idea. And yet watching it, I was like, fuck, like San Francisco just recently had to vote to say, uh, police cannot transfer the right to kill to robots because they wanted, they were passing a law about something else related to police. And the police started lobbying that they wanted the option to one day have killer robots. They're like, you can't pass a law that will keep us from having killer robots. And they had to discuss it. Even though they don't currently have any killer robots, the police were like, "Uh, we might need killer robots someday. So we need you to not put that into law. And people lost their shit for good reason. Because why are you planning on killer robots? What the fuck are we talking about? we're all well aware of your anti-killer robots uh, feelings, okay? No need to fit it into every episode. (laughs) um, th- this movie, as Christine mentioned, starts with like a, a fake commercial for the Killbots, showing how sure. effective it could be uh, in protecting property and uh, disciplining criminals. There is something a little odd about this opening segment, and not just the small parts for the two characters from Eating Raul, again featured recently on the Bartell Me Something Good podcast. Uh, this is sort of like a feels almost like a continuation of the story of the Blands from that movie, a little Eating Raul sequel. But in that opening segment, when you have these group of people watching it. One of the people who gets up and speaks is Angus Scrim from Phantasm. Except he never gets a close-up, and it barely features him whatsoever. I know Angus Scrim probably wasn't a huge deal in the mid-'80s, but he's still one of the featured players of a very successful franchise. Liam, why didn't they show Angus Scrim? I don't Angus know. Angus Scrim, Liam. I didn't know I didn't know that, Doug. Like You just <laughs> told me something I had no idea. Yeah, so are you, now are you like as confused as I am about this? It's a little weird, yeah. I don't know what the deal is. Maybe it's just maybe he didn't want to be featured. Maybe it's just a little little Easter egg because this movie is full of Easter eggs wall to wall. Christine, were you surprised we didn't get a little more Angus scrim in this? Well, I just found out that he was in it. And quite mm-hmm. frankly, I'm outraged that we didn't yes. get more coverage on him. 
Christine, what do you think about this uh, Paul Bartel and Mary Warnov part in the <gasps> Chopping It's the best. Love it. It's great. It's, it's, so it's truly the reason why I've seen this so many times. I <laughs> love Mary Warnoff. I'm obsessed mm-hmm. with her. She's fantastic. And I, it's just so quick, but I just... I just really like looking at her and hearing her. And they're so catty and shitty. It's just yes. really great. Couldn't they have been, instead of this then shifting to focusing on teenagers who are actually people in their late, ther- <laughs> late 20s, early 30s, instead of that, it could have featured Paul Bartel and Mary Warnov and perhaps Angus Scrim as a group of people per- trying to stay away from the killbots. What do you think about that, uh, Christine? I, I personally probably would have liked that because there's some stuff about the air quotes, teenage party that goes mm-hmm. on that I don't necessarily understand. Now, let's talk about this teenage party. We have uh, a nerdy gentleman, Ferdy Meisel, played by Tony O'Dell, <laughs> who I know mostly as being the preppy guy from the, tel- the sitcom Head of the Class. Uh, he's in this. And then we have Kelly Maroney, who, of course, is the uh, stalwart in a lot of different 80s movies, the wonderful Barbara Crampton. Uh, we have Russell Todd as Rick Stanton. Was Rick the guy who chewed the gum? Is that the gum-chewing guy, Liam? I think so. Yeah, well, anyway, there was a guy who chooses gum. That's his deal. And then there's yeah. another guy. And then there's a guy who's married. And those are those guys. And then there's a woman who's married to that guy who is the other woman in it. So what are your what's your trouble with the, uh, the teens in this, Christine? So am I to understand that that was like a, like a mall furniture store sex party? Oh, yeah. yeah. They were, I mean, excuse my <laughs> French. They were fucking on that furniture big time. But... It was that so? Admittedly, I was very young in the eighties. Was this a thing that was happening? Well, there was no place to go, right? Where are you supposed to go? And, and but you, and you have the keys to the mall. And, well, I that mean, cu- just, just because there's big glass windows in the front where everyone can see everything Doug, that's I, happening. I hate to cut you off here, but that Please. couple was married. So are you telling me that they both lived at their respective homes with their parents while they were married? Not an impossibility. No, oh, they couldn't even afford to. They couldn't even afford to fix their vehicle. <laughs> okay, okay, that's true. Okay, that's true. Other, other than their behavior, right? Yes. We, and the fact that that other than the married couple, the rest do appear to live with their parents. Are we sure that these are teenagers? No, not necessarily. I mean, I would figure don't, if I guess there's an indication. I mean, the, the, there is a strong suggestion that what's his name, Ferdy, Ferdy is uh, a virgin, right? I mean, that's his whole deal is that he's kind of an uptight virginal character. And so is Kelly Maroney to a certain extent. I mean, I don't think they outright say, hey, we're in high school, but I'm thinking like, you know, college. See, okay. Uh, There's no solution here that doesn't make it weird, but let's follow this further. Please. If these are high school students, why is this married couple go? Because they're not, the suggestion is not that they're married and in high school, right? Like they are not in high school. They run a business. They have their own business that they run. So, Uh, the only thing that makes sense to me is that these are not high school students. They yeah, okay, are so college students. post high school students. But then, then I have to deal with the idea that college mm-hmm. students are saying, we're going to have a sex party at the ball. I, I, this whole thing in the eighties. Right. And this is not just in this movie. There are a lot of movies like this, where it's like, look, we're going to get together. We're going to have a small amount of beer. And then we're all going to fuck that. I've, I, that's not a thing that I know about. Like I know about parties where people just did drugs. I know about parties where there was music and dancing. I know about parties where people did creepy games and had seances, all manner of parties. But in all my life, Doug, from both my more normal friends to friends with gang affiliations, none of these people were ever like, we're going to have a fuck party where we all fuck. 
That never happened. Like, Liam, I don't know Liam, that that's I hate to a real say this. Thing. I feel like these are parties that you were not invited to. <laughs> <laughs> Doug, Doug, I wasn't invited to the party where a bunch of people I know who are in very well-known bands did coke off a Bowie knife. All right, but let's I hear knew them. Who about are they? How, how, well, how well-known are these bands? Well, uh, I mean, well I'm just going to start naming bands, and you tell me if I'm correct <laughs> or not. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't want to get into it because it's, it's, people have passed away. But the point is um, that, like, there are plenty Sorry. of parties I've heard about that, like, I wouldn't be invited to because it's not my scene. Right. But, but uh, now, don't be wrong. I'm not saying an orgy. That's a different thing because they're all yeah. fucking together. This they're paired a, off. These people—they're they're just having sex with their. They just happen uh, to be partner. having sex in the same room in a public place. Yeah. And I don't know that anyone was stoked on that. Like most people I know are like, I'm going to go to the party, and then either I'm going to abscond to like some bedroom where I'm not supposed to be, or I'm going to leave and go somewhere else to have sex. No, no, no. You're there because you want to see how good your buddy is at using his dick, right? You're like, hey, let's watch <laughs> well, this. Now I, I get it. I've only okay. seen this. I've only seen this in 80s movies. That's what I'm saying. Like, that's why I'm always confused by these movies where, like, they're like, we're going to have a party. And all the dudes go, yeah, and at the party, we're going to fuck. And I'm like, you are? Why? I don't understand what's happening. Why is that a thing? I don't want to come off as being, like, a creepy jerk. I honestly don't. But... (laughs) If there was an opportunity to be in a room where Barbara Crampton was having sex, I guess <laughs> I would probably figure out a way to just be there if that was an option that was available. Christine, terrible, I apologize terrible, for everything terrible. I just said. It's um, okay. It's Barbara Crampton. I get yeah, it. Yeah. I mean, we all get it. Are, are you – I mean, again, uh, don't only reveal what you feel like revealing, but are, this – thing that liam was saying about the impossibility of people having sex at parties i think that's what he was getting at <laughs> I didn't, oh, no, I didn't no that's not really my point but sure is this something that you also have found in your life up to this point well granted i don't go to many parties sure. but um n- no and i don't think that's to, to side with liam for a minute i don't know that Please. that's what he was saying i think that there's this weird i was paraphrasing that's that's true. I could see the, the need for that. Um, it It's not so much that they went to a party and had sex. It was like that the whole point of the party was to pair off in this open room where yes. they are in close proximity to each mm-hmm. other to have sex while two people sit on a couch and watch a movie. Yeah. Right. I think that part of it's weird. Yeah. And And I could maybe buy into the illusion that high schoolers could be weird enough to do this but again one of these couples is married they have a home and what (laughs) sells him is that she goes i brought sexy underwear don't you have what are we talking about here (laughs) i know does she never wear sexy underwear and he's like oh my god i'm gonna get to see your bot don't they see each other naked already they're married what is happening i'd love to see you in that sexy underwear in a bed that 300 people have been sitting on today yeah (laughs) I'm hoping while we fuck, we get some sort of weird lice or something. I hope so. They've cleaned the sheets in the last month. Uh, Yeah, I guess I can see what you're saying now that we really unpack it a little bit. So uh, just just going over to you again, Christine, who is your favorite of this uh, group of people, either the the character or the actor? Uh, Kelly Maroney or Barbara Crampton. It's a a tie. I love Kelly Maroney. uh, She uh, not not necessarily feeling her hairstyle in this. Is that unfair of me to say? It's not... particularly flattering right but i mean it makes her i think she's supposed to be the cute one right that's that's her whole deal and that's why she pairs off so well with ferdy played by tony odell and she's great too because she ends up being like 
Uh, she really comes into her own. She ends up killing the last robot. Spoiler alert. And uh, she's the final girl in this because everybody else except for Ferdy gets killed by the Killbots. Actually, going over to you now, Liam, what was your favorite kill in the movie? Hold on a second, except for the head explosion. <laughs> huh, except for the head explosion. I'll also include um, the killing of the robots themselves. Um, If you can indeed kill a robot. Yeah, well, that's fair. Uh, well, I, I guess if, if we're including the robots, it's got to be the paint store thing because it made me think that maybe I don't understand paint. <laughs> <laughs> like, not, not that I don't think there are, not that I don't know that there are, in fact, many flammable things in a paint store, but the way that it blew up felt like it was filled with only flammable, like, you know what I mean? Like, the level of explosion was like, we set fire to the gas tank and the whole gas tank blew up explosion. The hilarious thing is that in the movie already, we had seen propane tanks, which explode, right? And then literally gas cans, which just set things on fire. And then they just use a bunch of paint and there's a fucking blows up half the mall. Yes, you are correct, Liam. It was a little bit confusing. But something about, but that's why I liked it. I was just like, oh, okay, we're just going to blow up the paint store. Awesome. Um, that's pretty fun. Um... Yeah, I'll go with I'll go with that because I don't want to take. There's another one I like, but I, I want to leave some for y'all. Okay, you don't need to leave it. Uh, I do want to say that my favorite moment, really, in the entire movie is after they think they've killed the first kill bot, and they go over and it sees that it's leaking. One of the characters sees that it's leaking. It's like, what is that? And the other guy goes, "Robot blood." <laughs> Christine, favorite kill in Chopping Mall. So it's my favorite, but I think it's also the most disturbing, and it is when um, Barbara Crampton catches on fire. Yeah, that's what I was yeah. going to say. That's what I was going to yeah. say. It is Chilling. disturbing. Yeah. It's also kind of strange that, like, this is post-Reanimator, and her playing, like, a supporting role is kind of strange, right? You'd think that she would have been one of the leads here, but I think she does a really good job, and she does die horrifically in a movie that generally is kind of light, so I see exactly what you're saying. I also like the guy getting his throat ripped out by... The, the Killbot, because it's living up to its name in that particular case. And also, I actually like any time that the Killbots use their claws, like that one where he throws the guy to his doom. <laughs> Pretty good I, stuff. I, I also I also want to bring up Dick Miller's only because it's the only kill that feels like maybe it was a little bit justified. Like... He he he's immediately hostile to this bot, which I which we know is bad because the bot's dangerous. But I'm like, you know, even if the bot wasn't dangerous, you don't necessarily have to just harangue the bot in such an intense way. And something about that made me very happy that it's like he he's just sort of like, ah, oh, yeah, back a bucket of bolts, you fucking clumsy. Rah, rah, rah. And that that was very satisfying. Liam, I was listening to a podcast today. My wife had it on, and it was very interesting. And they were talking about. AI and the host of it was talking about that when he talks to his like digital assistant, his Alexa or whatever, that he says like please and thank you to it. And uh, I I I don't use a lot of those assistants, but I've certainly done the same thing, and so has my wife. And uh, this person, this host on this podcast, had been talking to a professor, and they said you need to stop doing that immediately because as soon as you start to bring that level of politeness to AI characters, you're giving a lot of power to the creators and the owners of that, like a Google or Amazon or whatever. And in this case, if you were being polite to the Killbot, you'd be giving a lot of power to its creators. So in some ways, it seems like Dick Miller's doing the exact right thing. What do you think, Liam? Okay. Christine, there's a lot of in-jokes in Chopping Mall. 
lot of yes. them, right? We mentioned the Blands already and Angus Scrim, small part here. But we have characters watching the Roger Corman film Attack of the Crab Monster. We have a brief uh, mention of, well, not just a mention. They actually go into Peck and Paws Sporting Goods, Roger's Little Shop of Pets. Mel Wells shows up, of course. Garrett Graham shows up briefly as well. Uh, any favorite in-jokes uh, in the film? Uh, do you like do you like this sort of thing where a, a movie has a lot of, uh, if you're a fan of movies or a fan of the people involved with it, that there are things that you can kind of point out and be like, hey, I know what that means. I do because it's a way for me to feel smart about something yes. inconsequential. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like the peck and paw thing because I think one of the first times I saw this movie, I got it and I was like, ha, I'm so much smarter than everybody. Um, <laughs> and my other favorite thing about this movie is Garrett Graham. I am a huge Garrett Graham stan. I yeah, have uh, yeah, I paid yeah, yeah. for his autograph because oh, I love him so much. He's amazing. He's, he's the best. A, 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 and he doesn't get a lot to do here, but he is amazing in the scene that he's in. He's just when he comes in, and he just talks about how he's late because he had the all he can eat thing, and then he just comes in and immediately eats the thing on the fucking <laughs> plate. What a uh, what a great performer we are! We are Garrett Graham stands here on uh, on the You Don't Know Dick podcast. How about you, Liam? Are you a fan of like in jokey movies? Hmm. It's kind of funny to say that because, like, honestly, the Dick Miller concept, the whole concept of him as a character actor, is somewhat in jokey. I think prior to doing this podcast, Doug, I would have said, I don't care about it. Like, it doesn't mean anything to me. But I've become so in tune to the ones around Dick Miller and the, using his name and from the the, uh, the Walter Paisley thing. And, um, and just even the idea that in a lot of ways he is a visual in-joke in a lot of films where it's like, oh, we got Dick Miller for this one. Sure. That's become more appealing to me. And so I think I'm a little more excited about it now. I will say that it could get to a point where it could get a little tedious, you know, if, if it's done in such a way where it derails the plot or it becomes a little too meta. I could see that getting annoying. But in a movie like this, I just find it charming. I just found all the, and I'm sure I didn't even pick up on all of them, but the, all the ones I picked up on just made me giggle a little bit, and I appreciated it. You know, this movie is pretty short. It's uh, it's at 76 minutes, which is actually extremely short. And the, re- the reason it is is that after it did badly with test audiences during its original showings, they chopped out 19 minutes. Liam, do you think this movie would benefit with an extra 19 minutes? What's ah. I'm inclined to say no, but I am curious what's in those 19 minutes that that uh, we're missing. But I, I think it does. I don't think it stuff. Needs I don't think robot stuff. <laughs> Is there more of them dancing? That sounds fun. I guess. No, I'm kidding. I, I don't think it needs it. All right. Well, fair enough. Uh, Christine, what are your thoughts on malls? You spent a lot of time in malls in the 1990s. Uh, yes. Uh, my first three jobs were in a mall. Can you tell uh, me them in chronological order? Yeah, sure. I uh, worked at Burger King in the mall. Sure. Um, then I sold Christmas ornaments in the mall, uh-huh. and then I sold candles in the mall. Okay. And of those three, which was the worst? Oh, Burger King. How about that? And what yep. was the best? Uh, I plead the fifth. I refuse oh. to reply. Interesting. <laughs> they were but, all awful. But what do you think about mall culture outside of the working aspect? Did you enjoy spending time in malls? Definitely. I loved uh, going to the mall. I was, as they said in the day, a mall rat. Um, which okay. is just a person that would wear goth angled clothing and yeah. stand around yeah. and drink soda from Taco Bell. Right. Uh, so yeah, that was and my mom worked at the mall, so I used to go visit her. Uh, now I think malls are kind of depressing. Yes, and I don't yeah. like them. Yeah, it feels very kind of like a a really 
static version of late stage capitalism like it's all in yeah. one place yeah it feels a little a little a bit of a downer liam have yeah. you ever worked in a mall before yeah i worked um briefly at a furniture store called the bombay company okay as a, as a oh stock i know guy. the bombay company yeah 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 <laughs> I was a stock guy. I was a stock guy at the Bombay Company because one of my friends in high school, his mom was the manager, right? And they needed more help in in the stock room. So how long did how long did you uh, work there? Ooh, probably a year. I think mm-hmm. about uh, maybe a little less than a year, but a, about a year. Uh, did you get any free furniture? Uh, yeah, actually, I got my mom a dining room table that she still has to this day, which is crazy to me that it lasted that long but it, she loves it it's like her favorite thing hey you know what's something i just figured out just this very second as we've been talking what's that you know the beginning of this movie they show that little video of the killbot uh, taking down a criminal right it's yeah. supposed to be an advertisement the criminal is played by rodney eastman the kid uh joey from nightmare on street part three and four the kid who can't talk oh right and also rodney easton is in a band called king straggler with john hawks from from Deadwood and other things. It's it's all connected. It's all connected. <laughs> Look, I'm in front of the I'm I'm using that Charlie Day gift as we're uh, speaking right here. Um, Christine, when you watch a movie that takes place in a mall like this, and this is a very '80s movie in a lot of different ways, does it make you feel a sense of nostalgia for the era when malls were big? It does to a degree. I actually watch a lot of YouTube videos of people walking through abandoned malls. Oh, yes, yes. So I think I've turned a corner on my feelings about them. Like, I used to feel a lot of, like, wistful nostalgia, especially for, like, obviously the 90s era mall, like what I'm familiar with. But now I just feel like they're kind of gross. Right. And and I feel like I have a stop block to really enjoying that imagery because it's just all this gross, useless stuff that we don't really need. I'm getting very old and bitter. And sure. also, I just wanted to say this about malls now. I don't Please. go to malls now because I don't leave the house very often. Mm-hmm. But um, I get the feeling that if you go to a mall now, you'll just be in some kind of weird TikTok video. Like somebody will drop something in front of you or tap you on the shoulder to do a dance is that true god i wish oh in sweet my... jesus i would love that that would be amazing what were the, remember a couple of years ago where it was very popular where people would all start singing at the same time in public places what Ugh. was that called liam mm, remember people just started like singing a, like it, it, i think they called them flash mobs flash mobs they would do flash mob like performances and stuff like that that was like when that was happening it was like a nightmare i wouldn't go to the mall because i'm like i don't want to get caught up in some sort of performance but now christine you've given me a larger fear because it's the thing about tiktok is that and i do watch a lot of tiktok because liam sends them to my wife who then filters out the bad ones and shows me good ones from from the list um is that some of them are very mean-spirited right and i don't want to be part of anything mean-spirited and i don't want to be in the background and what if i what if something embarrassing happens to me? And mm-hmm. it does throughout my life. Embarrassing things have happened and thankfully have not been caught on video. But what if they were? What if I vomited in the middle of the mall <laughs> and someone caught it on video and a TikTok and then that went viral and I'd be like the vomit guy for the rest of my days? Liam, I'm very concerned about this. I always think I have. What if so... I shit my pants and they I, I added, always... added music to it? <laughs> I always think that I have so many anxieties. And then you say stuff like this and I think. 
what is wrong with Doug? Like, I'm fine, actually, because I work at a university. Shit. And this this is something I legitimately worry about sometimes because I did end up in the background of some YouTube videos. They were doing some sort of like thing, asking students questions. And someone in like a student in a class, he came up to me. He's like, hey, I saw you in the background of this video. I'm like, I don't want to hear that. Don't tell me that. I don't want to know. What, what if he what if I showed up and they started like mocking me? And what am I supposed to do about it? I'd just be in this video. Liam, I don't feel like uh, I want to be part of this uh, any, age of any, video. <laughs> anytime, anytime I'm in a public place, I'm looking for those guys who walk up to people and then like pose like they're taking a picture, even though they're not taking a picture. That's there's nothing I want more in the world. I think like it's like I would like world peace and then like a, a viable solution to global warming. And then the next thing is I want to be in one of those videos where the guys pose and I'd be one of the people that immediately started posing. I don't even too. know what you're talking about. You know, I'd oh, like it's my favorite TikTok. Handheld, a handheld electromagnetic pulse that would just cut out all electronic machinery in my general vicinity when I'm out in the room. Everything you're saying is psychotic to me. Uh, so I go to malls now a lot. Oh, you're a, a mall ton, guy. ton of malls. Why? You know, Liam, they used to call people like that mall rats. I know, I know. And the reason why is because I live in the Chicago area now. So because it's winter here like nine months a year, there's nowhere to go with a child uh, for large periods of it, that doesn't cost like a hundred bucks. So sure. the only place to go for free is malls, and you know that they know that because most malls have playgrounds here, which oh. like I guess is more common than I realize. But like when I was a kid, there was nothing to encourage kids to be there. You didn't want children in the mall if you could help it. When I was a kid, but now they have places for kids to play now. Not tweens. Tweens can fuck off as far as the mall is concerned. They don't want uh -huh. them hanging out. But if you've got a child, like a small child like I do, mall's great. Take the kid to the mall. I'll get a, some Annie Ann's and a drink, and she can run around in the thing. And uh, it's great. Love it. Now, they can't, they can't be in this place unattended, right? Oh, I, I mean, hopefully not if they're hurrying. I mean, she's just turned six, so right. hopefully that's not a thing. But can tweens be unattended? Depends on the mall, Doug. Uh, because I'm in the Chicago area, it's mostly based around uh, racing class. So uh, malls oh. where lots of rich white people go, there's no sign that says no one under 18 allowed in without an adult. And the security guards don't wear uh, tactical vests and carry uh, assault rifles. But if you're closer to the city, guess what? There's a lot of sides saying no one under 18 without an adult and all security guards look like they're about to swat somebody. And it's so, uh, it's fucking upsetting, actually. Yeah. And uh, it makes me sad. Every time I am in one of those balls, I get really sad. So are we coming down on pro mall or anti mall on your side? Oh, well, this is the thing. I go to malls all the time and it's it's great that they exist because of the climate here. But if you chose if you ask me would I choose to live in a place where I had to go to the mall nine months out of the year or to live in a place where it just was never cold, then I'd go to a place that was never cold and I'd get rid of And if, if it was a real town where I could walk and there was public transportation, I'd get rid of my car and then I would never have to go to a mall Liam, again. I've got great news for you because of our horrific climate emergency soon I know. you will never be I able know. to find a place I know. where it's I cold know. <laughs> i know well that's a, that's the thing i was thinking is that like long term this is actually a pretty good place to live because it's never going to get that hot here I mean, but still cynical view of the world though somewhat realistic let's talk about dick miller playing uh, the uh, interestingly named walter paisley here in in uh, chopping mall they should have probably called this movie kill boss don't you think liam yeah well, so what was the issue i thought they were gonna call it something like that right and they had to yeah i think it to so chopping and mall. then they decided to change it to chopping mall which again chopping mall is a very clever title and obviously they were but very no careful but, about but, the i mean this is something boring that everyone says 
but we should say it too. There's no chopping in the movie. There's no chopping of any kind. Well, I mean, there is restaurants. Theoretically, in the back uh, of those restaurants, there is some chopping going on. Doug, please. Come on. Walter Paisley, of course, the character Dick Miller played in A Bucket of Blood. Uh, There is no real suggestion that he's playing the same character here, though we've had conversations before about the uh, multiverse of Dick Miller's that allow him to play Walter Paisley in a number of different films. This is uh, one of the more high-profile. He uh, gives the uh, well-known YouTube show Dead Meat its name in his dialogue in this. Uh, Christine, could you describe Dick Miller's character in this film? Well, he is a janitor. Mm-hmm. And he is mopping with the dirtiest water I've ever seen. Yes. Somehow and... it got dirtier after he cleaned it. I don't think I've ever encountered uh-huh. that uh-huh. before. <laughs> it was it was really gross. It was really <laughs> gross looking. <laughs> Chunky and weird. Mm-hmm. And then he gets electrocuted because he's mouthy, right? Yeah. He mouthed <laughs> off to a robot. Though it's theoretically that robot might have killed him anyway. But uh, it, it kills him in a particularly nasty way by electrocuting him in the very dirty water that he spread onto the floor. Because he was trying to clean, what what do you think he was trying to clean, Christy? I don't think that gives us a lot of detail. Was it vomit or shit? I mean, those are only two things I can think about. <laughs> so I thought maybe I missed that, but I thought it was vomit. Vomit has to be. I vomit. just assumed. I just assumed. Why so were they? The sorry, Liam. I'm just going to stop you right here, just for a second, sir, because I want to ask you a question. These kids are upstairs partying, lights on in one of the fucking stores. There's still janitors in the mall. Shouldn't they have waited until the janitors were done before they started partying? They're going to get caught, right? They're going to get found out. I think that's a little bit of an odd thing that they do, Liam. So I'm the only person who thought it was a milkshake? I thought it was a milkshake. Oh, that makes sense. That Why some kid had just kids? thrown his milkshake on the floor. No, I that mean, feels a, good. I mean, it's a fucking mall. There's milkshakes <laughs> being thrown. I mean, you'd be happy it's a milkshake and not some shit vomit combination, probably, Liam. I don't know what kind of malls they have in Canada, Doug, but that's not real. I don't know what you're talking about. People vomit in malls all the time. I bet at least once a week someone's vomiting on the floor of a mall. Okay, I could see that. You think Dick Miller, a kid pukes on the floor in a mall, and you think Dick Miller's character is like, I'm going to fucking murder that kid. I don't think that's – it's got to be something intentional that a dickhead would do. You know what? You're right because – most people don't vomit on purpose. They just vomit because they're sick or something like that. You probably no, have that would be that. that would actually be pretty cool if there was a kid who's like, "Yo, I'm just gonna puke. Fuck it." That just goes around just puking on purpose. That'd be kind of sick. Um, <laughs> I was, I was, no, uh, nothing uh, about the party makes sense, Doug. I mean, even the idea like we work in a furniture store, so obviously this is the perfect location for a fuck party. The, uh, nothing about the and even when they say like. Oh, you got the beer? Oh, yeah, the fridge is stacked. Hey, there's a fridge at your job that you filled with beer and no one noticed? What the fuck is going on? <laughs> Liam, I once, uh, I once back on an old podcast I used to do, and hopefully we'll do in the future, called No Budget Nightmares, I covered a movie called Holy Moly, a low-budget film. And it starred the lead singer of this band. He directed and starred in it. And his gimmick as a musician was that he would vomit on stage. But he wouldn't just vomit, vomit. He'd vomit this, like, bright green goo. He's been on like Jerry Springer and stuff. He he would just uh, vomit goo, like green goo. He does it in the movie too. Yeah, that's that's gross. Liam, what do you think of Dick Miller? Uh, he's kind of a pissed off janitor in this movie. Perfect, love it, love everything about it. He was like, born to be a pissed off janitor, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, or garbage I, man, as we've already established. I mean, don't be wrong. Like we've said this before that it 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 might be. Mm, I don't want to say depressing, but it, not as exciting for people to see Dick Miller play a very similar character over and over again. So 
maybe it would be fun to see him doing something else, I guess. Oddly, However, he did do something else when he played Walter Paisley in A Bucket of Blood. Very oh, 100%. Very, 100%. But this character that he's doing that feels very sort of familiar to other stuff he's done, I love it, man. It's a fun part of the movie. It's a great first kill outside of the the nerds in the, in the thing. But, you know, in the 80s, we weren't sure if we had emotions for nerds. So their deaths don't mean anything. Sure. You know, Dick Miller's the first character that we care about that dies, you know. Uh, and he gets to be a dickhead while he's doing it. So that's really great. Uh, and and I, the, the thing about it that's confusing is we've already established that the – bots can kill people but the fact that he, the bot electrocutes him through the water sure. you you could interpret that as a mistake you know what i mean like that maybe now granted he does have rubber soled shoes on so i i don't think any of it actually makes any sense but in theory if it's if if he's just trying to stun dick miller and he electrocutes him through the water by mistake that's a possibility, but we've already seen the robots rip out the throats of two other characters. They do seem vindictive, yes. So it seems a little weird that they didn't go for a more direct method of killing than that. Yeah, but they are, they are called killbots. But it is it is still gives us a chance to see Dick Miller play at being electrocuted, and it's very over the top, and I like that. <laughs> he gets electrocuted. <laughs> well, Christine, what do you think of Dick Miller's performance in this film? I think he really sells that electrocution. Yep. Yep. I, I believed it, it. I felt it. The fact that he was apparently mean to Jim Wynorski on set <laughs> is so believable. I mean, you know, in a fun way. Just the idea. I just also like the idea that Jim Wynorski's like, oh, as a tribute to the history of, of Roger Corman, as part of that, I'll include Dick Miller as a tribute. And Dick Miller will still be like, fuck you. You don't know anything about anything <laughs> in this movie. <laughs> uh, he's just so perfectly. I mean, I got to stop using the word gruff on this podcast, but it just defines him so perfectly. And, you know. He couldn't just be a happy-go-lucky <laughs> custodian, right? He has to be a guy who's just, like, pissed. Uh, everyone else is making fun of him, and they're like, hey, hey, enjoy cleaning up that milkshake or vomit or whatever it might be. And, uh, yeah, he ends up dying, unfortunately, for his uh, his sins, let's say. Dick Miller, wonderful in Chopping Mall. Small part, but uh, there are – what do they say, Liam? There are no small parts, just uh, small actors. Is that what they say? Uh, maybe. I don't. I don't know. Yeah, it's the uh, the pictures that got smaller. Liam. Oh, sure, right. Yes, yes, yes. Liam, any final thoughts on Chopping Mall from the year 1986? It's a lot of fun. I think people should... I, I feel like it's a pretty well-regarded movie by a certain kind of horror nerd. Right. Uh, but uh, I do think it's one that maybe people have written off. Like, if you're someone who prefers horror movies that are very serious and take themselves very seriously. I think this one might not have been one you sought out because you could <laughs> sense that it's very silly. Uh, but to me, it's it's the best kind of silly and a head still explodes in it. So, you know, you can't go wrong. It's the kind of silly where it's not constantly winking at the camera, right? It's saying th silly things in a straight way to the very point where, like you were saying, Liam, that you might not even notice how silly it is until you rewatch it. You're like, Oh, this movie knows how silly a lot of these lines are. And I think that's pretty cool. Christine, you chose this movie for us. It was a great choice. I had a lot of fun with it. Any final thoughts on Chopping Mall? Um, I'm going to steal from Liam here. I think that it's great. I think it's aged way better than I expected it to when yeah. I first saw it. I don't know, back in like 99, it's aged way better. Um, and it's got some amazing lines like... I guess I'm just not used to being chased around there a mall in the middle of the is. night by killer robots. 
this movie knows exactly what it is and exactly what it's doing. And I love it. My other uh, favorite line from the movie is when uh, Barbara Crampton's partner says that she smells like pepperoni and she gets up and she's all in a huff. She's like, oh, yeah. And he's like, hey, I love pepperoni. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, yeah, there's some great dialogue in this. It's a lot of fun. The performers, you know, they're all absolutely fine. None of them are outright terrible. There's obviously some familiar faces here. It's a lot of fun. Jim Wynorski kicked off his career well. He's done a lot of garbage in recent years. He said a lot of garbage things in recent years, but he has some winners in his catalog. Well, that's it. We've talked about Dick Miller and Chopping Mall. Let's find out where people can find uh, our guest in the outer world. Christine, where can people find you online or elsewhere? Oh, geez. So I'm still on Twitter. Um, Someday I'll extricate myself from it. Paying for that check mark, huh? Never. No thanks. <laughs> I'm all set. Um, but I'm on Twitter at uh, xteen underscore makepeace. And um, I also have a website. It's my name, christinemakepeace.com. You can check out all of my writing and all that jazz. I'm like the only person with my name. So if you need to find me, I'm pretty easy. It is easy to find. Of course, you can check out the Feminine Critique podcast, which I enjoy. And I've appeared on a few times myself. Um, Liam O'Donnell, as of the recording of this, I'm not sure what the latest shirt over at Rough Cut Fan Club is, but you recently had a office themed, I should say the office, the sitcom themed horror giallo type shirt. Uh, How's that going for you? Pretty good, Doug. I I feel bad because um, people either really love it, like they vibe with it and they really get it, or they're confused. And so the people who are confused keep coming to me for explanation and i'm like i don't know it's all justin i didn't i don't i don't watch the office i don't get it but he seems stoked and other people seem stoked so i think it's fun to do something like that that is unexpected um but i also like get why there were people who messaged me and were like the fuck is this about and i had to be like okay hold on hold on hold on let me tell you and and it's because neither one of us have seen it when i explain it it doesn't sound funny at all but i guess the people who like the show are like oh it's so cool and i'm like okay good then buy a well, shirt Liam, i hate to say it but i fall somewhere in the middle i recognize what it is and i'm like oh okay <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. No, it's pretty cool. It's very well designed, and I think it looks really cool. But, Liam, you can be found other places as well. Well, yeah, of course. uh, People can find the latest episodes of this podcast, as well as my other podcasts, uh, Horror Business and Cinepunks, over at cinepunks.com, C-I-N-E-P-U-N-X, as well as a lot of other great shows like Twitch of the Death Nerve or Tomb of Ideas or The Carnage Report. Uh, Of course, they can follow Cinepunks on social media, uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, assuming all those still exist. Uh, C-I-N-E-P-O-N-X on all those platforms. You can, of course, find the entire archive of uh, You Don't Know Dick over at cinemasmorgasport.com, which also has podcasts devoted to such diverse topics as the career of Carol Kane, Steve Buscemi, Jackie Chan, Paul Bartel, Alejandro Jodorowsky. Some of these are podcasts that are chronological. Some of them are not. There's a whole variety of stuff over at cinemasmorgasport.com or on Twitter at cinemasmorgasm. O-R-G. You can follow Liam on Twitter at Liam Rules. That's R-U-L-Z. I'm on there as well at Doug underscore Tilly. That's T-I-L-L-E. Why? I want to make a brief mention of the fact that uh, recently Criterion announced that After Hours is being added to the Criterion collection. Dick Miller on 4K in the Criterion collection. Will wonders 
never cease. Hopefully we'll be checking that out. Of course, we have a past episode featuring our friend Julia Marchesi all about After Hours. You can find that over at cinemasmorgasbord.com. But for now, we need to take a little break. When we come back, you know what? I usually don't say what we're going to be covering on the next episode of this show, but I'm making a promise to you listeners, whether Liam likes it or not, we're going to be covering the Deep Space Nine two-parter with Dick Miller on the next episode of You Don't Know Dick. But for now, good night, everyone. As you brush your shoes 